Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle sub-episode 4159, B for Bats, Balls and Bubbles. I am Andy Zaltzman in the antiviral cricketosphere here at the Old Trafford Cricket Ground in Manchester, where the natural medicinal powers of cricket statistics are proving to give me 110% impregnable immunity from all reality. I can highly recommend it. I've been busy with my frankly sensational collection of coloured pens, super high-tech space-age stuff, bits of paper, ditto, and databases of pure cricketing fact, the greatest natural mind balm known to humanity, watching England and the West Indies and, as I record this, Manchester drizzle, tussle it out in echoingly empty cricket grounds. It is very odd, and the best thing about it, apart from living out my quirky childhood reveries, is that I have absolutely no idea what has been happening in the world in the last two weeks. I imagine things have been awesomely good, what with all the science, technology, intelligence and innate goodness of humanity working collectively towards a better shared future, as usual. I imagine the British Prime Minister has dealt with his challenges with calm assurance, sound logic and the innate sense of fair play that enabled us to share our empire with so many colonial colleagues back in the British day. I imagine the President of the USA has projected hope and aspiration to all oppressed freedom-hungry peoples in America and the rest of the universe. I imagine everyone is looking forward optimistically to the impending eradication of the great curses of our times. Poverty, hunger, disease, inequality, prejudice and the unnecessary overuse of the word like. But I don't know, because all I've been thinking about is the slowly emerging pointless narrative canvas that is a five-day cricket match. We will have a proper bugle next week. In the meantime, since I am enveloped in one of the world's more, shall we say, retro-sporting genres, the two-team contest lasting a working week with a strong possibility of neither side winning, trust me, it is the greatest thing ever invented, let's go back in time via the bugle archives. How many years, I hear you ask? Let's go with ten. Ten years. Top story this week... I spy with my little eye something beginning with bullshit. <laughs> Andy, there are only three things better than stories about spies. They are ice cream, the release of Nelson Mandela and Lionel Messi. And those three have had a relatively quiet week this week, so it's spy stories that have dominated the news. Uh, the FBI have arrested uh, 11 people suspected of being Russian spies who have been living in the United States under deep cover since the 1990s, uh, a time when, even then, spying was slightly old-fashioned and ridiculous. Well, it turns out they've been in the US ever since, doing essentially very little. Uh, in fact, a Russian security analyst pointed out this week that the uh, alleged spy ring doesn't seem to have really done any spying. <coughs> he said they haven't managed to gather any kind of significant information uh, and didn't have any kind of sources worth noticing. Most stuff they transmitted if indeed they did transmit it, could have been lifted from the New York Times website. <laughs> in fact, they've done so little that none of the people accused in this case have been charged with espionage, <laughs> only with not registering as representatives of a foreign government and money laundering. And I really hope that they were just lifting articles from the New York Times, Andy. It would be fantastic. It's the equivalent of cheating on an exam, just cutting and pasting text into a document, maybe changing some of the sentences around. I've completely cracked this whole spying game, Dimitri. You just need a premium pass to NewYorkTimes.com. I can get all my spying out of the way in about 45 minutes, and I'll spend the rest of the day playing Frisbee with myself. Honestly, 
I do most of my spying now, and I do not exaggerate, Dimitri. I do most of my spying while having my morning dump. I'm not even joking. I'm telling you, you're working too hard. And this also means that whoever's been writing those articles in the New York Times has technically been spying for the Russians, Andy. So I want to see nothing short of Frank Rich being led out of the offices in handcuffs and sent straight to Guantanamo to answer some very nasty questions. Well, it's also, I mean, the challenge has really gone for spies ever since the uh, US Department of Defence started up its own Twitter feed, uh, which has included recently uh, entries such as, Busy day, moving three warheads to a new location in Nevada. Need to get done by three to catch the Angels-Dodgers game. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, it's untrue to say they didn't find out anything. Apparently one uh, couple uh, had told uh, Moscow that they discovered that America is a society, quotes, that values home ownership. Yes. And yes. there must have been some old telephone operator at KGBHQ in Moscow saying, Holy f***, Lenin. We have really lost our edge. What else? Do they like milkshakes and burgers? <laughs> the, uh, Do you not get a part in one of your next films? Is there a what? Russian... Slightly too band? good, Andy. Right. That's slightly too good. I mean, that's a rock-solid oh. Russian accent. I'll put in a word for me, mate. <laughs> the, uh, the spies were apparently living in New Jersey. Uh, which is not so much deep undercover, Andy, as subterranean <laughs> undercover. If they're hoping to pick up casual information from talking to their neighbours, the only thing they're going to learn there is whatever gossip is coming out of the New York Jets training camp. <laughs> I do hope that Moscow is interested in finding out whether or not Ladanian Tomlinson is going to be used more in a wide receiver role than in the traditional running back position he had at the Chargers. <laughs> isn't that, that uh, the American is from New Jersey as well, isn't he? So he is, that's right. Gonna... Ask some questions about, uh, about his provenance and motives. Well, let's ask next time he comes in, Andy. Let's ask him. Yeah, I think we should. I was uh, quite intrigued by uh, Miss Chapman, who was uh, mm. apparently you know the um, young woman who was uh, painted by some in the press as a femme fatale right. of aspiring. Although, if the aspiring is really just finding out stuff off the internet, I don't know how fatale a femme can be. <laughs> uh, and also, she didn't really indulge in classic spy behaviour. Uh, posting glamorous photos of herself on a Facebook page. Yeah. Which isn't really maintaining a low profile, is it? Um, well, also, it just shows how seriously the media are taking it. The Most of uh, the discussion this week here has been whether or not she was attractive or not. Oh, right. That seems to really split people right down the middle. Really? So it's good to know that people are focusing on the most important things here. And what was the, what's the consensus, then? Well, there is no consensus yet. Right, I see. I mean, is, is it, does it, does it, has it split on... Republican Democrat lines. This, well, uh, it's not so much. It's not so much. I think there's a standard acceptance that she's quite attractive, right. but it's whether she's smoking hot or just quite hot. Right. So yeah. that's but you know that's driving people apart. It's I'm basically one step down from the abortion issue here. Right. I see. So uh, I guess that I guess what this has shown, John, is that we just don't know who is a spy these days and who isn't. And I'm pretty sure some of these people didn't even realise they were spying. And um, I think the time has come now to do an official bugle, are you a spy test? OK. OK, so here, here's the question. You can all test buglers. You can all see if you might be a spy. So there's three questions. When you wake up in the morning, do you, A, think to yourself, oh, it's good to be alive, so much to look forward to, breakfast, lunch, tea time snack, dinner, and the rest, yummy yum. Or <laughs> do you, B, think to yourself, I must make an extra special effort today to blend in seamlessly to my local community? <laughs> Question two. When you find out something interesting, do you A, go straight onto a social networking site and post something about it, then gossip about it with your friends, or do you B, 
Keep it under your hat until you get a few quiet moments when you can call a secret office in downtown Moscow on a secure line. <laughs> and finally, question three. When in conversation with a government official at a drinks party, do you A, assume he or she wants to steer clear of official business and make conversation about sports or films or sporting films or how to film sport? Or do you <laughs> B, start plying him with drinks and shifting the conversation onto classified subjects like whether America is planning military action on Australia for their overthrow of an elected prime minister and imposition of an unelected replacement, whilst trying to build up a rapport so that when you put your arm around his shoulder later in the evening, he'll think you're just being his buddy, rather than trying to plant an electronic bug underneath his collar. <laughs> so, if it's mostly A's, you're probably in the clear. Mostly B's. Das Verdania, Kamerad. <laughs> These spies also made a number of slapstick-style mistakes, Andy. Two of the uh, alleged agents organised a drop-off at a park in Arlington, uh, in which one placed $5,000 in cash in an envelope hidden in a folded newspaper and left it for collection by the other. The package was intercepted by the FBI. <laughs> so they lost that package, Andy. They lost that $5,000, but it gets even better. Another was observed going into a Verizon phone shop in Brooklyn, New York, buying a mobile phone and giving the shop staff an address, which was this, 99 Fake Street. <laughs> Fake Street. They're not even f***ing trying, Andy. It's almost like they wanted to be caught. <laughs> but these have actually been very reassuring times here in New York. First, we had a terrible terrorist who locked his house keys in the car that failed to detonate. <laughs> now, we have some terrible spies, too. The world is becoming a much simpler, more charming place, Andy, as it spews oil into its own oceans. <laughs> That was ten years ago, and if we all knew then what we know now, then, well, with a human race, we'd probably f*** it up exactly the same again. It is what we do. Since this is a second consecutive Bugle sub-episode, and you're getting them for the price of one, in other words, free, unless you want to join the Bugle voluntary subscription scheme, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button, let's have a chunklet from Bugle 241 where I reveal what happened when I met the England cricket selector and when the world was experiencing some kind of heatwave. And we marked it with, with, a, with a song? A, a what? I was interviewed this week. Um, oh, yeah? For a place in the England cricket team. Congratulations. Um, How'd sure. it go? Well, it went, went all right. Chris, Chris, you were there. It was yep. uh, dinner with the chairman of the England cricket selectors, Jeff Miller. <laughs> So this was the closest that you're probably ever going to get to get selection. You're sat there wow. in front of the selectors, and the selector asked Andy, Andy, what do you bowl? To which Andy's really? response was, mind your own f***ing <laughs> business. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my, how do you forget that, Andy? <laughs> you just bank on the fact that he would respect that kind of stress. <laughs> that's right, that's yeah, interesting. It's be direct. That's interesting. Yeah, he was... <laughs> They're looking for cricketers with strong minds and not afraid to express their own opinions. And uh, oh. so, anyway, so he, he interviewed me for a, for a position on the England cricket team. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't had the call yet, <laughs> but uh, I think I made an impression. I think yeah. it might be coming with that conversational yeah. smackdown, Andy. <laughs> Top story this week. The heat is old. The heat is old. The heat is old. Now somebody please turn the f***ing heat off. Feel, 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 feel my heat. Um, if uh, if you live, if you if don't don't finish that thought, Andy. If you 
If you live in the US or the UK, you are feeling pretty f***ing you hot right now <laughs> because it is hot here, Andy. It's it's hot here in America, and I know that the UK empathise with that because by all accounts, it's too hot there too oh absolutely um, john yeah i mean it's we're struggling with a heat wave the like of which has never been experienced by <laughs> humanity anywhere before just day upon day week upon week of burning sunshine record temperatures we're talking yeah we're talking high 20s john low <laughs> wow. 30s celsius even it's making the wow. sahara look like a partially refrigerated cake counter in a bakery store it's making the australian outback look like skegness beach in early april it's making the atacama desert look like south america's answer to a soggy christmas dog walk britain is so toasty at the moment that if you dropped it from space it would inevitably land people side down <laughs> you were, I mean that that is the thing if you if you saw any reporting of the heat wave in the UK at the moment and then you looked at the number that prompted that reporting and you live anywhere else in the world you might think what is wrong with these people but you know look it's it's difficult to explain it's not yes it's not technically as hot as elsewhere in Britain but Britain is significantly less well equipped to deal with high temperatures both physically and more importantly emotionally uh, and for a start people don't really have air conditioning in their homes in uh, in Britain. Apparently, a report in 2008 found out that just 0.5% of houses in the UK has any kind of air conditioning. Whereas here, Andy, in the land of the free, the land of the incredibly cold inside when it's incredibly hot outside, <laughs> nearly 100 million homes have it. And it's possible, apparently it's possible, that air conditioning accounts for as much as 15% of total American energy consumption. <laughs> and that... It's 15%, Andy. That's a 50% portion of a pretty f***ing huge burrito. Uh, because that's the ultimate demonstration of freedom, Andy. Being on a 100-degree day, inside, able to wear a coat. That is a profound and powerful f*** you to nature. Oh, sure, you've been beating down pretty hard, Mr. Sun. It's dangerously hot outside, you say. So why, then, am I shivering in here? <laughs> It'll be exciting to see my breath when I tell you to go f*** yourself. <laughs> That's what we fought two world wars and <laughs> at least two cold wars for. The right to air-conditioned America. Um, I mean, in Britain, we've been really struggling. John, I haven't seen this many people looking burnt in public since Queen Mary was barbecuing Protestants in the 1550s. <laughs> and, oh man, that, that is, that's two 1550s jokes in one show. Yeah. That could... that That's... Uh, I mean, that's, that's setting the bar pretty high. Deep um, cut, Andy. Yeah. And we've, uh, it's the biggest heat wave here since 1976, when, of course, uh, you don't need me to tell you, famously the Queen Mother melted whilst watching a horse race at Royal Ascot. Had to be taken to a special laboratory in the basement of Windsor Castle and poured into a cast of herself that they'd taken during the war. Back on duty a week later after re-solidifying. Uh, that's, uh, and uh, lived for another 20, 26 years. Um, I keep waking up, it's so hot, it's very hard to sleep. My kids are really really struggling to get to sleep. Um, maybe because I'm standing in the corner of their room dressed like a ghost. But but anyway, it's <laughs> probably the, uh, more, more to do with the heat. But I keep waking up in the middle of the night, sweating like a guilty-feeling pig, being cross-examined about whether or not it's kosher. Um, too hot <laughs> sometimes even to think about sport. That puts it in perspective. So hot, Whoa. John, that I keep thinking I'm Florence Nightingale. And... Um, it's becoming now so reminiscent of 1796 that I keep, ex keep expecting Mao Zedong to die again or the Bay City Rollers' money honey to shoot back to the top of the Canadian pop charts. Well, you are jumping around the centuries today, aren't you, Andy? <laughs> Thank you, Wiki. Is the heat short-circuited your brain somehow? <laughs>
That was Bugle 241. Thanks, Buglers. And uh, this was supposed to be the end of this episode. Uh, Chris, what... what what, what's, go- what's going on here? Andy, every time I bounce this episode down, I hear lightning strike and a, a random last post episode appears. An episode of what, mate? No idea. C- c- can it not just be removed? No, like every time I'm doing it, the same thing happens. It just... It just, it just... What? 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 Space. Space. Time. Time. Space. Time. Continue. 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 You um. You um. You um. You um. You um. Hello, posters, and welcome to the last post. The final word in this, the most final of worlds. Today's episode marks the 17th of July of the year 2020. And on this day in history, in 1549, the Jews were expelled from Ghent, Belgium, beginning the Jewish distaste for waffles. In 1717, on this day, George Friedrich Handel's Water Music premiered on the River Thames in London, a piece of music famously inspired by the graceful movement of a body of water of unknown size. Your guest today on the podcast is returning favourite celebrity celebrity and reality television juggernaut, Mr Andrew Zaltzman. Welcome back to the show. Oh, hello, Alice. Hi, oh, it's nice to be back. How are you going? Well, it's nice to be out of the, the juggernaut. It was uh, certainly the, you know one of the more harrowing <laughs> shows that I've that I've ever been on, um, <laughs> and uh, well, I, d- I think I've done done well to escape with only minor bruising from the uh, well, the incident. <laughs> Coming up today, we'll be talking all the latest in royal family news for our top story. But first, some headlines of stories we won't have time for. And in the news today, Disney World has reopened numerous parks around Florida, despite the US having recorded over 70,000 new coronaviruses. Although some changes will be made to the reopened parks, including socially distanced queues, Disney-branded Mickey Mouse masks, and changes to signage, including a you-must-be-this-stupid-to-ride. <laughs> Meanwhile, after a series of viral videos in which ordinary household objects are exposed as cake illusions, a conspiracy has arisen online that 5G is turning things into cake via a plot engineered by Bill Gates, who was once seen eating a cake. Apparently the plot is to turn everyone into cake, or for the savoury-minded, into potato microchips. That's all the time we have for the headlines we don't have time for, because now it's time for your ads. Your ad section now, because you can buy your actualization. On one day in 399 BC, the philosopher Socrates stood before a jury of 500 of his fellow Athenians. Socrates was accused of refusing to recognize the gods and of corrupting the youth. Found guilty and sentenced to death according to the Athenian laws of the time, he was forced to drink a cup of poison, hemlock. If he had instead drunk half a glass of water, Socrates might be alive today. (laughs) Half a glass of water, the safer choice. And that's your ad section for today. The last post. Now it's time for your top story. Your top story today, royal news brought to you by television royalty, Mr Andrew Zaltzman. What is going on in the world of the royals right now? Well, a couple of massive stories this week, Alice. Firstly, the Queen's contract has been extended by another three years. (laughs) Now that's her her 24th three-year deal, would you believe? Some short thought that she might drop to a two-year or even a one-year deal at her age, uh, given you know how old she is, how physically gruelling top-level monarching is these days, very, very similar to rugby in that regard. But apparently at her medical, 
She was fitter than ever. Her bleep test results were off the scale. She benches 290, and she even managed to keep her crown on for a personal best 132 seconds on a rodeo bull, which matches the record set by Edward VII back in 1903, although that, of course, was not an officially ratified time because on that occasion he was accompanied on the bull by a dancer from the Folie Bergère named Florian Joisin and had a visible... Um, well, look, the point is, 132 seconds is sensational at any age. Other royal news... Um, well, well, a couple of other, st- other stories. Prince Andrew has been relegated from Prince to Vice Prince, if I read the newspaper headline correctly, whilst Prince Harry and Meghan have been replaced by a pair of randomly selected NHS staff on a rolling weekly basis, uh, which is a lovely gesture by the government, who have also announced a 400-year pay freeze for all nurses and care home staff. But gestures are worth more than money in this day and age. I mean, that makes sense for Harry and Meghan to to be uh, taken off the list of royals, given that they were sort of fermenting rebellion for a number of months, only basically stopped by COVID and and the lack of a socially distanced militia. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's also talk that that there will be, you know, they had lots of different Churchills in the war, kind of body double Churchills (laughs) actually going to to try and rebuild national morale after COVID. There's going to be uh, a a little battalion of uh, 25 queens, replica queens, (laughs) and um, also... I believe there's going to be 15 Prince Charles's and 15 Prince Williams as well to just go around the country look, looking uh, looking benevolent. So it's, uh, it should hopefully help Britain get back on track. Now, can you address the rumours, Andrew, that all of these replica royals have to pass a, a three-month period in Tussauds Wax Museum of pretending to be a wax statue of the Queen or you know one of the one of the royals before they're allowed to actually move as a royal well yes um i mean this is obviously a fairly standard procedure and it's uh, certainly what saw off uh, a couple of henry VIII's prospective uh, wives back in the day um but yes i mean you you have to be able to look like a waxwork in order to be a functioning royal really certainly since the probably the mid 17th century so it's uh uh, you know, a number of people have pa- passed the test, and I think that's that's good. You can't have too much of a good thing, can you? Um, or, or can you? No one knows. We'll, we'll leave that to the to the historians <laughs> to, to judge. Uh, possibly the, the the history of the Western world in the late twentieth and early twenty first century might finally come up with an answer to that question. Yeah, I would argue that many non-royals would would suggest that you could have too much of a royal. <laughs> well, the French came to that conclusion in the 1790s, certainly, and they started lopping bits off them. So the other big news, Alice, though, I mean, this is huge royal news, is the discovery of a new royal, unexpectedly, because obviously generally they have to be created via a, a, a bizarre process, uh, which um, certainly Prince William and, and Kate Middleton have, have proved um, unusually fecund, involving various laboratories <laughs> and uh, and meadows. Um, and um, uh, but, but luckily, we've we've got a, a brand new one that's just emerged from essentially fr- from history. It's turned out that you know, a descendant of Queen Victoria has been discovered, previously unknown about. This new royal is the great great great-grandson of of Queen Victoria via her ninth and final child, Princess Beatrice, who, as was the way back then, had loads and loads of children, so many, in fact, that she couldn't really keep track, and she simply forgot (laughs) one of them at an official 
garden party, um, Lionel, Duke of Snutterbridge it was, who was about three years old as far as anyone could remember, and he wandered off and was never seen again. And by the time Princess Beatrice noticed the child was missing some 15 years later, no one could remember his name, and they decided they wouldn't be able to recognise him anyway because his crown would probably have fallen off by then. So so Lionel, who you know, disappeared, often was, was found by, by well-meaning uh, people, was initially brought up by wolves, uh, then by a family of weavers in a woodland cottage in rural Fostershire, and um, unaware of his royal origins, <laughs> Lionel became a humble potter whose innate royalty only really came out in uh, an occasional desire to declare things open, make meaningless small talk with a queue of strangers, and keep his job regardless of any performance metrics. And he never knew that he, by right, should have been something like 43rd in line to the throne. Uh, and in fact, wow. sadly, Lionel, yeah, he died um, happy and fulfilled, breaking a family tradition dating back centuries. Anyway, now we skip forward a few generations and um, a, a local researcher has found that Lionel actually has descendants and his highest ranked descendant, according to royalty ranking points, which factor in all manner of things, Alice, as you know, such as whether you were born before or after other people and whether you have more, fewer or the same number of testicles as them. Um, it turns out that Lionel's highest ranked royal descendant is none other than your last post co-host, John Luke Roberts, uh, who is, in fact, by rights, the Earl of Francia, owner of uh, 3,000 square miles of prime forest and a herd of purebred grambles. So, um, interesting news. I don't know how uh, how John Luke has, uh, has responded to this. Maybe you could ask him next time he's he's on the show. Well, we will definitely have to have him back on the show because, as you know, he's been constantly drawn um, yeah. to the ruling party. You know, he's a d- disgraced home, many times disgraced Home Secretary, and yet he yeah, keeps yeah. coming back for more. So uh, it will be fascinating to see how he um, absorbs his new role. Yeah. I mean, it could be a bit of a turning point in, in, in British history in many ways. He'll bring, bring something new and fresh to the royal family, I've no doubt. Well, certainly new. And that's all the time we have for your top story today, because now it's time for your letters to the editor. Your letters to the editor now. And remember, you can send a letter to the editor by writing to us at the last post at somethingelse.com. Dear Alice and co-host, that's you today, Andrew. I have been considering writing to you ever since the recent appearance on the podcast of Christopher Skinner. That's Christopher D. Skinner, but never quite having the courage. This morning I sat down and had a half glass of water to calm my nerves sufficiently to write this. I enjoyed the episode with Mr. Skinner, mainly because of your announcements of a novel in which Dancy Lagarde, apologies if misspelled, it is misspelled and your apology is not accepted, uh, a novel in which Dancy Lagarde ventures into the world of homoeroticism. I have to confess that in my part of the universe, Mr. Skinner is something of a gay icon. It does not surprise me at all that his fortunate subordinates are adoring and bedazzled. Who would wouldn't be. Is there any more homoerotic Lagarde content in the pipeline? Uh, And I wonder if anyone has suggested that you should be offered the job of reading out the Lagarde canon on audiobook. You convey so much raw emotion even when reading out the synopses. I will pray for it. Good luck and so much more to Christopher. Many thanks to you. Uh, Best wishes, Mike. Uh, Mike, this is a fairly stupid letter. Not a very (laughs) stupid letter, but a fairly stupid letter. if you are at all familiar with Dancy Lagarde's works, you'll know that there are at least 14 uh, homoerotic novels in Lagarde canon. Um, I would be privileged to read 
read those audiobooks out loud if I ever get the time in my extremely busy, busy schedule. I know that you, uh, Andrew, were being uh, touted as potentially being cast in one of the new movie remakes of a, of a Dancy Lagarde novel. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I know you can't say a huge amount. Well, I can't say a, a, a huge amount, and it, there is some doubt now over whether the film will will be released not due to to covid but due to the uh the fact that i insisted on doing all my own stunts and um well apparently <laughs> it i mean it just uh, from what i've been told it was very hard to make me jumping off a bench look like an act of great daring do and heroism so <laughs> but that was as far as my insurance covered me to do in terms of in terms of something but i insisted on doing them all myself because that's you know the kind of guy i am but it did ruin the film I, what i did hear, hear about uh, about dance is that she began her writing career doing homo erotica of a different sort in which she was writing copy for a, a, a company that sold uh, water filtration systems that enabled people to have French mineral water come out of their kitchen taps, hence homo erotica. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. I Look, I, Andy, if the movie ever does come out, I hope to witness the... I mean, I would be interested to see if your abs can ripple as much as the, any of the heroes in any of the Dancy Lagarde novels, not because you don't have ripped abs, but because they are extremely ripped, you know. Yes. Uh, shredded, as it were. <clears throat> literally shredded well that was after the other stunt but um you know <laughs> never knew combine harvesters work that way <laughs> well that's all the time we have for your letters today remember you too can send a letter into the editor by writing to us at the last post at something else.com And thank you for listening to The Last Post today. We're here in your ears 366 days of this year and we'll be back tomorrow with all the latest news in this dimension. Your guest today on the podcast was Mr Andrew Zaltzman, uh, famous from such episodes as episode one of this year. You can go back in time. If you go back to episode one, these ones will make a lot more sense. Andrew, thanks for coming on. Great work as ever. Have you got anything to plug? Yes. Well, another charity I'm I'm involved in. This charity is for the number 12. Uh, Use of the number 12 has declined over the last 12 years by, ironically, 11%, as due to a reduction in the use of dozen as a unit of counting and measurement, a reduction in the use of feet and inches, uh, of course. And uh, if that trend continues by the year uh, 2212, 12 will have actually ceased to exist as a number, um, which could cause all manner of trouble in the design of uh, of rockets and trains. Um, And it's obviously never going to be used as widely as 10. I'm not asking that. I just think we need to, you know, do our bit as a current generation to ensure that future generations can 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 enjoy both the number 12 and the word 12 which is one of the most satisfying words to say in the english language uh, for, for for the rest of time well brilliant thank you so much an apology is due to our listeners in the other dimension because as you in this dimension know of course we're putting out episodes seven days a week uh, but due to the glitch in the space-time continuum only five days a week are going out to the alternate dimension so i would say i'm sorry for that but i'm not really because obviously um currency doesn't transfer from one dimension to another so you're probably not paying the extremely premium fees that we ask of our listeners here in this dimension so shut the up you're getting it for free the last post is a something else alice fraser and bugle podcasts production i am alice fraser find me online at at alliterative on twitter and instagram that's a-l-i-t-e-r-a-t-i-v-e or commit to the full alice fraser experience by signing up on patreon.com slash alice fraser for a behind the scenes look at my glamorous life i'll be doing a live stand-up special on the 23rd 
23rd of July via Next Up Comedy. So if you're in the UK, look that up. The executive producer of this podcast is Christopher D. Skinner. His adoring and bedazzled subordinate producers are Harriet Wells and Ped Hunter. As they and we always say, good luck to you, Christopher. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Uh, that was deeply, deeply unsettling. Please support the bugle. Thanks be to Cricket. Back next week. Bye. 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 Bye.